All right, everybody. I'm excited about tonight. I'm excited about the opportunity that we have to be here to hear from God. And I want to invite you, if you would, if you could, there's a message notes in your program, but also if you want to open your Bible to Psalm 67. We're going to be in Psalm 67 tonight, and we're going to look at what God has to say about glorifying Him, about praising His name as we come together. Uh, we're going to cover tonight uh, an overlying principle, uh, a foundational truth of our walk with God, of our understanding of Him, a foundational truth of our identity of our existence, the very reason we're here. And here's the foundational principle that I want us to understand before we go forward. God made us to worship Him. God made us to worship Him. He made us to give Him glory. The Westminster Catechism, the shorter version, asked this question. What is the chief end of man? And the answer is this. Man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Not just glorify Him, but enjoy Him forever. And the Bible expresses this idea from cover to cover. We were made, we were created, not just to be loved by Him, but to worship Him. God wants everything. God wants to be the center of everything in our lives. Nowhere in the Bible will you find what we, and especially cultural Christianity in America, have defined. Nowhere will you find in the Bible there's a distinction between your spiritual life and your life. They're the same thing. Nowhere will you find that distinction anywhere in the Bible. The Bible doesn't separate us into boxes or categories or compartments when it comes to a relationship with God. No, we are made to worship Him. We are made to worship Him with all that we are. 1 Corinthians says this, whatever you eat, what, and I like that part. <laughs> I like that part, okay, just so that we can camp out there for a while, okay, whatever, chocolate chip cookies waiting for me at home, okay, <clears throat> whatever you eat or whatever you drink, not even not the whole platter, okay, whatever you do, that's the key phrase there, whatever you do, do it all for what? glory of God, the glory of God. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how do we glorify God? How do we do that? And right up front, I just want to just acknowledge that this is not an easy concept to understand, and it's not an easy thing to do even when we understand it. <clears throat> because part of this is because, honestly, this will be all real honest tonight, we don't want to glorify God naturally. Honest, we don't. We want to glorify ourselves. We want to glorify each other, but we really, honestly, deep down inside as human beings, don't want to glorify God. Now, this weekend is a great example of how we want to glorify people instead of God. Right now, there are people sitting in their living rooms, and they're watching one of two shows glorifying people, <laughs> the NBA All-Star Game or the Academy Awards all designed to glorify people, all looking at people based upon their skill, their prowess, their slam dunk ability, their creativity, their ability to write scripts, their abilities to act, all because deep inside, every one of us longs to be famous. Every one of us longs to be like those stars we're watching, they're being watched tonight on the television. 
Every one of us wants to be acknowledged by our fellow human beings. In reality, just be honest, okay? Be brief, be honest. In reality, every one of us wants to be someone that someone else admires. That someone else admires or worships. I know people whose whole goal in life is to be famous. The whole goal in life is just to be famous. And they live to be famous. And while I know that's not most of us here today, uh, I know that there's something inside of all of us, including myself, that just wants other people to notice us. Wants other people to compliment us. Wants other people to put us on some kind of pedestal in some way. So at work, just think about at work. At work, we want to be recognized for the project that we just did or the way that we did this task in some way or how the presentation went. At a party, at a party, we want other people to notice how good we were socially, our ability to carry conversation and to make people laugh or how amazing our hospitality skills are. We want other people to notice our new hairstyle or hair color or body piercing or tattoo or clothing. We want other people to notice those things. We want others to notice how good our kids behaved in public (laughs) or how well a certain Jordan Thompson did on her spelling bee on Friday. We want everyone to notice that. She got first place in her grade, yeah. See, I told you, we all want to be noticed. (laughs) We want to be the person that everybody follows on Twitter. We want to be the person whose blog everyone reads. We want to be the person who has the most friends on Facebook or the one who gets the most likes. We want to be that person. We want to be noticed for our cooking abilities. We want to be noticed for our athletic abilities. We want to be noticed for our sewing skills, if that's what we have, our decorating eye, or our sense of humor. There's just something inside of us that wants to be recognized and to use our phrase that we're going to use quite a bit tonight, glorified or exalted by others. Really. We all want to be the center of our little universe. And that's what makes biblical Christianity so countercultural. Biblical Christianity says this. It says, you are not the center of the universe. Turn to your neighbor and say that right now, okay? You are not the center of the universe. <laughs> Hello. You are not the, the center orb of your little world, okay? just want you to know that. You are a being who was created and is sustained by the Creator. That's who you are. So tonight I want to get, I just want us to get this straight tonight. The goal for my life and the goal for our lives is not to be famous, it's not to be noticed, it's not to be exalted by other people, it's not to be honored by them. The goal of our lives is that our lives would exalt the Creator, to bring glory to the one who made us, to the one who sustains us, to the one who saved us, to the one who loves us. Now let's look at God's Word. We're just going to camp out here in Psalm 67 and look at these verses and apply them to our church and how we're going to glorify God together. Psalm 67. It begins this way. It's kind of a prayer. It begins with a prayer. It says, May God be merciful and bless us. May his face smile with favor on us. 
May your ways be known throughout the earth, your saving power among people everywhere. May the nations praise you. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Let the whole world sing for joy because you govern the nations with justice and guide the nations, guide the people of the whole world. May the nations praise you, O God. Yes, may all the nations praise you. Then the earth will yield its harvest and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us and people all over the world will fear him, will worship him, will come before him. Now, there are two things I want to point out just in this psalm. It's just kind of get us wet our appetite a little bit about this whole idea of glorifying God. Two things. And the first one is this. The psalmist shows us that we praise God for his extravagant grace. It begins with that. Verse 1 begins with praising God for his extravagant grace. Verse 1 is actually uh, based upon a Levitical prayer that you would find in Numbers. And I don't know about you, but in our daily Bible reading, I was so glad when we got through Leviticus to Numbers, okay? <laughs> and could kind of change gears just a little bit. But it begins this. It says that God would be merciful to us and that his face would smile with favor on us, his face. Now, that imagery, imagery takes me back to the Real You series that we just wrapped up not too long ago, and we talked about what it means that God's face is toward us, that God's face is looking, meaning his presence, meaning his ever-being, meaning he never takes his eyes off of us, meaning that he's always with us. The Lord is in this place. The Lord, he's in this place. And we have his favor all around us. And what the psalmist is saying here is he's saying this, we have, been, we have his blessing, and his blessing has been poured all over us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. All of his blessings, all of his grace given to us. And see, the reality is that God has been very gracious to those of us in this room. The reality, he's been very, very gracious. As he's given us his son, as he's given us this body, as he's given us our lives, as he's given us the promise of heaven, he's been very gracious to us. We have so much to be grateful for and so much to be thankful for because our God gives extravagant grace, extravagant that he's given to us. And then the psalmist wants to point out something else, and he says this. He says, we praise God for his extravagant blessings, verse 6. We praise God for his extravagant blessings. And it ends, begins with his extravagant grace, and it ends with his extravagant blessings. This is why we praise our God. Verse 6 says, the earth will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God, he will bless us. And I just say again, I'm thinking about our church, I'm thinking about our lives, I'm thinking about individuals I know in this room, some of which I've walked with for 20 years now. And I just say this, that God has blessed us in ways that are mind-blowing, way beyond anything we could have ever dreamed, even imagined, that he's poured his blessings out of us, out all over us. And it's been a wonderful run that we've had for 20 years together. God has grace at times when we were desperate, desperate before him times when we felt weak, at times when we felt like we couldn't take another step, at times when we knew that 
only by his power would we be able to even go forward. He was, he's blessed us so much with his grace. He's blessed us so much with his blessings, with his strength. And so I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about for 20 years we've had God's blessings. And I was just wondering, does that mean God's finished blessing us? You know the answer. Thank you. I just want to say this. May we, may you, may you never think that God is finished with you. May we never believe that our best days are gone. May we always live sitting on the edge of our seats, wondering what God is going to do next, what blessing he's going to pour out, what gracious act he's going to do in our favor, wondering what God is going to do next. May we never be satisfied with the way that things already are. In fact, if we get satisfied with the things, way things already are, I believe that God will remove his blessing. I believe that to be true. And that's why we must always look forward and ask God, God, what are you wanting to do through us and in us as a body? I believe that we must live expectantly, believing that God has more grace than we could ever burn up, that he has more blessings that we could ever use up, and he's not afraid to pour them out on us. Every good and perfect gift, the Bible says, comes from God. And I just say, we have been blessed. So as we look back, you know, over 20 years at what God has done and how he's taking us from gold run elementary and little bitty kitty chairs. No parking because little kitties don't drive cars. He took us to the vet's hall. Once again, no parking <laughs> in that part of town. But God has moved us into this place where we have the Disneyland of parking lots, okay? Lots of room. Look back on what God has done. I think that's reason to stop and worship him and thank him for what he's done. I, I put our, our definition of worship there for you that we've carried with us all throughout these years. And I want you to write it down if you would. Uh, and just kind of help us to understand our definition of worship. Worship is my passionate response to all that God is with all that I am. We talked tonight about worship. We're talking about glorifying him. It's talking about us having passion us having passion to glorify him. My passionate response to all that God is, meaning I need to know all that God is, right? I need to know all that he is with all that I am, meaning that I'm not going to hold anything back. I'm going to give him my passionate expression of worship. I'm just going to read some verses to you that talk in the Bible about worship. Psalm 29 says, Honor the Lord for his glory and strength. Honor the Lord for the glory of his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. First Chronicles 16 says, Give the Lord the glory he deserves. Worship the Lord in his holy, all his holy splendor. And then First Peter says this, talking about living a life for him. It says, Do it all with the strength and energy that God supplies. Where do we get our strength and energy? From God, all the time. Then... Everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power belong to him forever and ever. And he ends it with a hefty amen. It's all his. This verse says that everything you do by his strength, by the strength that God gives you, when you rely on him, when you lean into him, that you will, your life 
will bring him glory. So how do we do that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. So turn your notes over on the back side, and let's talk about how we're going to do that as a church family. And I base this all on Psalm 67. Hadn't intended to do this. I don't understand why God had me do this, honestly, except I believe it's powerful. And we're going to live right here for the next few moments in Psalm 67. It was just so powerful. First thing we want to look at is this. If I, the, I glorify God first by exalting his name. That's the first way I glorify him is by exalting his name. Now, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're doing the 5-5 five, five prayer challenge. How are you guys doing with that? Are you guys still, hang on, raise your hand if you're still hanging with me on that. Awesome, awesome. The 5-5 five, five prayer challenge, the first three, it's no coincidence, I believe, that they fit with these three ideas from Psalm 67 tonight. So I will exalt his name. First P, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. And we said that that's the one we're going to praise him. We're going to spend the first part of every day by praising him. And so our number one goal, our number one job as church, as a family, and as individuals is that I would, my life would exalt his name, lift up his holy name, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise him. And so we breathe and we die for the glory of his name. Psalm 34 that we read out loud just a few minutes ago, it says, I will praise the Lord at all times. You might just circle that, at all times. Now, I hadn't thought about this. Does that mean all times? I think it does. <laughs> I think it means when things aren't so good and when things are so good. I was just thinking about this. Um, I'm just going to rabbit tra trail here a little bit. It's Sunday night. I don't have another service following me. We don't have to put this one on the radio. So who cares how long we go, okay? It's just rabbit trail a little bit. Okay, so think about this a little bit. I was just thinking about this. I was you know, processing this about the whole glory thing, okay? Giving glory. Okay, so I score a touchdown in football. I score a touchdown in football. Maybe I've had an interception. I run it all the way down to the end zone. I spike the ball. And at that moment of victory, what do many players do? They give credit to God. They give glory to God. This is what I would love to see. I would love to see the quarterback go back, and he's going to throw the ball, and he throws the ball. It looks like his receiver's open, but at the same time, the defenders come right in the way, and he throws the ball, and the defender's just sitting there, and the ball goes right into his hands and intercepts it. I'd love to see that quarterback go, glory to God. <laughs> in his failure as well as his victory, Okay. So at all times, at all times, I think that's something that we could all work on just a little bit more is learning how. And some of us, we feel guilty about this. We feel guilty that, oh, you know, if I was really a good Christian right now, I'd, it's just kind of weird to give God glory when I'm going through this crud. I almost said the wrong word, crud. So I'm just sorry. <laughs> and so we sometimes we actually, some of us like living in crud, so we don't even want to take our eyes off of our crud because if we put our eyes off our crud, then we'd have to deal with why we got there. Instead, we want to put our eyes onto God. Okay, let's go on. I will constantly speak his praises. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Love that. Love that. 
That's every one of us. All who are helpless. I don't know about you, but about five, you know, sitting down here before when we were singing that last song, I was feeling helpless tonight because you know what? We're at my bedtime. (laughs) On my treatment plan, we're at my bedtime. And so this is, you know, I was feeling pretty tired and helpless. And I'm just thinking, this, let all who are helpless take heart. Take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. And that's what we've done tonight. We've exalted his name together. The reason you exist is to show the world how great God is. To show the world how great God is, not how great you are. Not how great you are at overcoming your circumstances and your hard times and your helpless moments, but how God has redeemed you, how he's given you his grace and he's lifted you out and you're praising God in this moment. Colossians 1.16 says this, all things were created by him and for him. And we need to realize that every one of us was created by God, by him. Now, I just want to say this again as we think about this. When we think about glorifying God, I think we need to get straight tonight. And I think I've, you know, I just want to keep hammering the same point over and over again. Here's the point I want to keep hammering tonight. Your life is not about you. If we could just get this straight, that your life is not about you. It's just not. We wouldn't be so depressed. We wouldn't be so discouraged. We wouldn't be so um, you know, willy-nilly about making decisions. But your life is not about you. You were created so that in everything you do, you would bring God glory. And you would bring praise to his name. So that in everything you do, that people would look at you and they would be so surprised by what you're doing that they would exalt God because they knew that only God could do that through you. But they knew you that they could never, that they could, you could never do that. Psalm 23, it's on your notes. It says this, he guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Honor to his name. Everything God does, God does so that he will get glory from it. Everything he does. He does so that he will be the one who gets the glory for it. He leads us and he guides us, not so that our lives will be better, not so that we will be successful, not so that we will be famous, not so that we will have this or that, but he guides us along for what? His name's sake. His name's sake. Everything he does is so he will get glory. God calls us to glorify him. Now, you know what? Some people kind of chafe at this kind of chafe at this whole idea that God's that needy, that God's that self-focused. They say things like, isn't it egotistical of God to make everything about glorifying him? Brad Pitt's an example. 2007, this is what he said. God is an egotistical maniac. If all he wants is for me to worship him, he's an egotistical maniac. Now think about that for a minute. God, according to the Bible, is the most glorious being in the entire world. Okay, he's the most glorious being in the entire world. So what's God supposed to do? Is he supposed to say, I, the most glorious being in the world, don't need you to give me glory? So hey, what? Go ahead. Tackle fame yourself. You know, make your own way. Glorify yourself. But hey, even though I'm the most glorious being in the universe, you don't have to glorify me. Is that what he's supposed to do? No. God says, you must glorify me because as you glorify me, that's when you truly discover you. 
and why you're here. See, folks, this, these verses in Psalm 67 are so rich. It says at one point, it says, and you will know joy. You will enjoy him. When you glorify God, that's when you find true joy in this life. So the first thing we're going to do is we're going to, as a church, we're going to exalt his name. Second is this. I glorify God by extending his purposes. By extending his purposes. And if you want to write kingdom there, that would work just as well. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Second part, second P in our prayer list. Now, if you have your Bible open, you'll see this, okay? We're going to look through verses 2 through 4. At verses 2 through 4, the psalmist lists and gives us God's purposes. He gives us what he expects us to be doing with him. Verse 3, he says, God desires to be praised. First thing, God desires to be praised. Verse 4, he says this, God desires us. Hang on, just a minute. Let's go back to verse 2. That's where we started. Verse 2, he says that God desires to be known. So that's the first thing he says, is that God desires to be known. And so therefore, our job is to help people what? Know God. Help people experience him. Then he says in verse 3, God desires to be praised. In fact, several times, four different times in the NLT translation that I read from, it says that God wants to be praised. He desires to be praised. In verse 4b, I'm skipping 4a because I want to come back to that. But in 4b, it says that God desires to be feared. We get all hung up on this fear thing. Some of you know, we had, so many people grew up in churches where they were just, you know, hammered down and hammered down that you've got to be afraid of God, afraid of God, because God is just out to get you in some way. And so anytime we talk about fearing God, it just raises up the hackles on the back of someone's neck. But God said that you are to fear my justice. That's what it says in Psalms 4b. You are to fear my justice. But then he says in 4a, I want to get back to this because this is a cool thing. He says, I want you to enjoy me. And I think that for some of us, the thought of enjoying God is so foreign. From the backgrounds we come from, to think that we can enjoy him, that he wants us to enjoy him. It says, let the whole world sing for joy is what the psalmist said. The whole world sing for joy. So God desires to be known. He desires to be praised. He desires to be feared. And he desires to be create joy. He desires that we would enjoy him, that we would know him. And he expects us to take that message about him to our world, and we glorify him when we engage with him to take the message out that God wants to be known, God wants to be praised, God wants to be feared, and God wants to be enjoyed. That's the message. He wants us to be engaged with, with him and bringing that to his, this world. And he expects us to take that message. So that's what we're trying to do. That's what we're trying to do. That's God's mission for us. Now, remember, in Genesis 12, in Genesis 12, God gave Abraham the vision for the nation Israel. And as he gave the vision for the nation Israel, he says this, that I will bless you, that you will be a blessing to all nations. A blessing to all nations. And that's what I believe he would say to his church today. I bless you so that you would be a blessing to all nations as you engage with me and my purposes, as you extend my purposes into this earth. Now, here's how we're going to say it. We talked about this the last few weeks. Our strategy is on your notes. Let's pop it up on the screen here. And I'm going to ask us if we could, let's read it out loud together. Here's our strategy. We glorify God as we gather together, grow our faith, 
give of ourselves, and go share Jesus with our world. So we glorify God. As we gather together, we link arms, we relate to each other as family. We learn to love each other. We hang out together in large celebration times like this. We get together in small groups. We form spiritual friendships for accountability. We glorify Him. We glorify God when we grow together. When we look to His Word, when we get into His Word, we realize that all spiritual growth begins and ends with His Word, His Word being in us and formed in us so that it completes us as we learn that together. We give together. Thanks so much for your response last week as we talked about giving and we talked about serving and giving ourselves financially. And then this morning, Pastor John did a great job of talking about how we go together. See, I just want you, we just need to know that as we think forward and we look into our next decade, that God has blessed us so that we become an extension of himself into this world. An extension of himself. And his number one purpose is that he would be given glory to all the nations. Glory to all the world. And he wants us to help people to know him, to praise him, to fear him, and to enjoy him in life. But there's us, another part of that extension that he wants to have happen in each one of us, and we talk about this a lot around here, but here's what I want to kind of lay out for us, is that we're going to work more and more in the next decade to talk about this principle of being formed in the image of Christ, being formed in the image of Jesus. So that what that means is, is that over time, I should look more like Jesus, act more like Jesus, and I thought feel more like, I'd say feel more like Jesus. I should talk more like Jesus. I should respond to negativism more like Jesus. I should respond to attackers more like Jesus. I should have compassion, the same compassion that Jesus has. I should love. I should have more joy. I should have more peace. I should be kinder. I should be gentler. I should have more faith. I should have more self-control, just like Jesus. And so ask yourself, am I more like that today than I was a year ago? And I've had to ask myself, Ron, are you more like that than you were 20 years ago when this whole deal started? Have you let Jesus change you? Can you do today, naturally, what you couldn't have done 20 years ago? Naturally. What do you say, Kim? <laughs> yeah, I thought I'd get some, some accountability over here uh, on that. So we become like Jesus as we're transformed to look like him. And look at what 2 Corinthians said. I love this verse when I was reading it this week. It's talking about every one of us who knows Christ. All of us who had that veil removed can see and reflect what? The glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is the Spirit, notice this, makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. So we become like Jesus and we're changed into His glorious image, meaning we look more like Jesus and we become more like Him. And then look at what Jesus said himself about his life as he came to live God's mission and kingdom. He says this, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Talking about glory here. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. That's the promise for every one of us in Christ. To come before the glory that Jesus and God share in heaven. 
that we get to be in that same glory. So first of all, we're going, to glor- we're going to glorify God by exalting his name. We're going to do that together. We're going to glorify God by extending his mission. And then the third thing from Psalm 67 is this. We glorify God by embracing his promises. By embracing his promises. Basically, I'll just say it this way, by trusting him. You glorify God when you trust him in the middle of difficulty, in the middle of circumstances that are out of your control. Okay, the third P is, Give us this day our daily bread. So I glorify God when I trust him, when I believe that he's going to meet all my needs, when I am confident in his promises. Psalm 67, it says this, verse 6. The earth will yield its harvest. I love, it's just a solid promise here. That will yield its harvest, and God, our God, will richly bless us. Yes, God will bless us. And then here's the last part of the promise that we didn't talk about earlier. And people all over the world will fear him. People all over the world will know him, praise him, fear him, and enjoy him because we trusted him and his promises. He will bless us. He will bless us materially. He will bless us spiritually, according to these verses, both, as we're glorifying him. He will bless us, these verses talk about, with a rich harvest of souls as people come to know him. God is not finished with us yet. As his church glorifies him, it says here there will be a rich harvest of people coming to know God, glorifying him. They'll be busting out of the walls. They'll be going into the streets. They'll be glorifying him because his church remained faithful to what he called his church to do. But we have to trust him. We have to trust him. There have been several steps along the way in our church's life that we've had to trust him. We would never have been here. Those of you who are new, you have no idea. You have no idea. When we had our first building team meeting and we were saying, God, guide us to where you want us to build. And we said, we want 20 acres of flat land within five, miles of, five minutes of the freeway. <laughs> Hello. You guys find any of that laying around anywhere <laughs> that we could afford? <laughs> oh, my word. And so this property became available through some prayer and some work of some individuals. And we were able to purchase this. And then we said, okay. We're going to be able to close escrow on property that's not even zoned yet. Do you think the county will let us do that? I was talking to somebody the other day who told me about this whole time we went through the county with the process with them and how they kept looking at this church going, what are they doing? But I don't know what they're doing, but they sure are nice. (laughs) Oh, it was just amazing. And then we had our building campaign. And I'll, just, I'll never forget. Honestly, I tell you, I must be a small visionary person or else I can only do, think of little things at a time. Because we were thinking, if we could just raise a million and a half dollars, imagine that. If we could just raise a million and a half dollars. God allowed us to raise 3.1 million and build a facility that cost over $8 million. I never imagined it, but he did because we were confident and we trusted in his promises. Now, there's been some hiccup. There have been hiccups along the way. There have been difficulties. I want to tell you that this road has not been easy. This road has required courage, 
stamina, guts, just guts to make it and trust in a holy God. And we glorify him and we trust in him. I read this verse to Kim yesterday. Actually, I texted it to her when she was in a plane yesterday as she was coming back. Isaiah 54.10. It says this, For the mountains may move and the hills disappear. So they're talking about tumult here, right? If the mountains move, life ain't going well. If the hills disappear, don't want to be there. But God says this, Even then, my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessings will never be broken. You might underline that. Some of you need that tonight. My covenant of blessings will never be broken, says the Lord who has mercy on you. God is committed to blessing the people who will make their number one goal to give him glory. God is committed to blessing the people who will make their number one goal to bring him glory. And our lives should reflect how great and mighty God is. So what we're going to do as a church family is we're going to learn over the next decade how we can exalt his name, how we can exalt his name, not just in the confines of this building where it's safe and it's wonderful to praise God when we're all together, but whoa, it's hard at work on Monday, right? We'd exalt his name together. We're going to work together to extend his kingdom, to extend his purposes, that we're going to be about this strategy. We're going to carry it out. We're going to measure ourselves to see how we're doing. Are we really walking with him? Are we bringing him glory by following his way? And then we're going to work together to make sure that we embrace his promises, that we follow him. I want to give you a picture. We're going to have this song that we're going to do in this dance. It's just amazing. But the picture I want to give you, and I want to thank my wife for giving me this idea this afternoon, is that the song we're going to sing is called Agnus Dei, that you're going to heard, it's going to be danced to. And it's a song about heaven. It's a song about singing praises to God in heaven. It's a Sebastian revelation. Now, I was thinking about two things, and then we're going to listen to this song. And I was going to give you a picture. And here's the first one. In Psalm 67, it says this. In Psalm 67, it says this. It says, in those who are faithful, those who are praising God, that he will use them, it says, it will use them that all the nations will praise God. All the nations will praise him. All the earth, the whole world will praise him. The whole world, not just in churches, but everywhere, the whole world will be praising him. Think about that. Think about that choir. The whole world praising God. Think about how awesome it was tonight. They won't need sound systems. They won't need lights. God will be providing it all. The whole world will praise him. Now think about this in another way. The Bible also says that the heavens will praise God. The earth. It's talking about the sky. But in Revelation it says, in heaven, all of heaven. What is all of heaven doing? Praising God. So here's the picture. Here's the idea. Here, it doesn't, we don't have to wait to heaven to do this. God wants to do this now. God wants to do a new thing. He wants to do something fresh. He wants to move in a cool way. What if, what if a church, a people were faithful to God? What if they were faithful to him? And they said, we believe in him. We're going to exalt his name. We're going to extend his purposes. And what we're going to do is we're going to embrace his promises so that through us, through us, imagine this, through us, the whole world might be singing praises to God. 
It's not too small. This is, we can do this. Now imagine that. Imagine because we did this. And then in all of heaven, Kim's dad is in heaven right now. With my dad in heaven right now. With your loved ones in heaven right now. He, they are there in heaven. They're already singing. They've got the choir going. They've got the light show. They've got the sound system. Whatever they need in heaven. They've got it all. They're already singing praises to God. Now imagine this. Imagine this antiphonal choir going on. The whole world praising God. The whole world singing praises to him. Heaven praising him. The skies are full of his praise. Just imagine what that would be like. If we chose as a people to glorify him. Whoo. Love that thought. Let's listen to this song. Just bow your heads and let's pray together. God, this is the cry of our heart. That we would be a church. That we would be a people. who are consumed with glorifying you. Our number one purpose, our number one goal is that in every day, every moment, our lives would bring you glory. That our lives would point people to you. That we'd be quick to give you credit We'd be quick to give you praise. That we would praise you for your grace, God. That you gave Jesus Christ and you poured out his blood so that we could have no freedom. Grace, 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 grace. We'd praise you for your blessing. Everywhere we go, we wouldn't look at what we don't have. We'd be thankful for what we do. And we'd praise you for what we have. And God, I pray that we'd be about extending your purposes, that we wouldn't just sit in pews, that we wouldn't just attend services, but that we would be engaged fully in extending your kingdom and your purposes in our world. And God, I know the only way we're going to be able to do this is if every one of us would embrace your promises. That we would stand with confidence tonight that you are God. That you are God above all the other little G gods in this world. And that we wouldn't be ashamed of it. We wouldn't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. But that when we go out, we would want people to know that we know Jesus Christ. And we'd point lives to you, God. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for this moment and this declaration that we want our lives to bring you glory. And it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen.